You know, sisters, weight loss can be a fine goal and it can improve health, but other times or for other people, it can actually become an obsession and it can become very enslaving and lead to chronic dieting, weight cycling, and all kinds of body image issues. The difference here is the why. Why must I lose weight? If you find it's more of an obsession or you're placing your value on it, then I'm here to help you pull out possibly three of those hidden shackles that can be leading to your weight obsession. Some disordered eating patterns and enslavement to those restrictive diets and food rules, well, they can be caused by these really deeply, deeply hidden shackles. These three reasons might surprise you, and this is a pretty deep message, so stay tuned. Welcome to the True Food Freedom and Faith Podcast. I'm your imperfect host, Cheryl Sharko, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and biblical counselor, here to get real with you, my sisters in Christ. Yep, I'm talking to you who struggle with restricted food rules, chronic dieting, yo-yo diets, emotional eating, and other issues that consume your life, your joy, and your peace. So get your comfy pants on like I did and get ready for some real talk about this journey, real nutrition information, and some real solutions so you can live a life in true food freedom and faith. Hello, sisters, and welcome You know, I know that chronic dieting or weight cycling, as it's sometimes called, might be the issue that plagues you, but it's not the true problem. It's just the fruit of a deeper issue. After all, we often get trapped in this cycle in an attempt to what? Control our outward appearance. And we can have these persistent issues with our body image, but you know what? These aren't the root issues either. There can really be many and varied reasons that lead to disordered eating, to weight cycling, to body image problems, and you may need to tease apart and work biblically through your own particular heart issues, but I want to discuss three of the more hidden heart issues that could be enslaving us and leading to this debilitating fruit in our lives. So let's get started. First, this first hidden shackle might be misunderstanding the purpose of life. So what is the function of a child of God? Well, you probably heard it's to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. Yeah, we're to portray Him to the world. We're to live to glorify Him. So the purpose of my life is not even happiness or to fulfill my dreams. The purpose of my life is not safety or security. Although we want these things, the purpose of my life is not lack of stress or lack of troubles. The purpose of my life is to display and glorify God in every single area of it. So part of the issue could be a misunderstanding of the purpose of your life. You might be thinking, you know, you're supposed to have this one life. You only live once. The purpose of your life is to be as happy as possible, to make sure you're as safe as possible, and you live as long as possible, and you're as healthy as possible, stress-free and trouble-free in your life and achieving all your dreams, that's not the purpose of your life as a Christian. And so that misunderstanding can cause us to seek after those very temporal things and all temporal things and put such a high value on them. This can include achievements of the world, such as the way I look, my weight, my size, my attractiveness in the eyes of culture. 
Okay, so that's the first one, misunderstanding the purpose of my life. That could be one of those hidden shackles that are just pulling me down that I can't break free from. The second one is a deep fear of invisibility. You know, if you're questioning whether or not this is true, if there's a deep fear of invisibility in our culture, I just have one word to say, selfie. Okay, and what we need to keep in mind is that either we get glory or God does. And Isaiah 42 and 48 state in no uncertain terms that he will not give his glory to another. He does not share his glory. So we can either be trying to grab his glory for ourselves or live a life that gives it up to him, even if it makes us less noticeable. Are you willing to be invisible? It's tough to think of it that way, isn't it? This takes humility. You know, Matthew 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So that makes it a little clearer. Do I want God to humble me or exalt me? I would rather God do the exalting and me do the humbling, which is not my nature. My nature is to exalt myself and get the attention and get the accolades and the kudos and the respect and all of that. You know, even John the Baptist, a kind of important person in history, he said about Christ, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's John the Baptist. So we really want to look at, are we having that mindset? You know, years ago, I worked on a production team and we put together all kinds of, you know, live events and live productions. And we had a motto that said, if we're not invisible, we're not doing our jobs right. And in that context, it meant if we're being noticed, it's because something went wrong. If we're doing our jobs right, we're not seen. We're not having to jump out on the stage and fix something. The lights didn't get messed up. The audio didn't go dead. You know, so if we're doing our jobs right, we should just be invisible. And if we're not, we're having a problem. So that, of course, is in the context of producing an event. But we, as Christians, are to serve and make Him great. And God is not saying that we don't have acknowledgement for what we're doing and that He doesn't notice or even that other people won't notice. But my point in using this example is that we are the supporting role. God is the, I hate to use the word star, but you know, in this context, we'll just go with it. We're not the one with the spotlight. Are we going to be okay with that? God wants any attention we receive to be used to glorify Him alone and not ourselves, not us, such as our good deeds. Our good deeds will do that. Read about how Paul wants to boast only in his weakness because through his weakness, God reveals his own strengths. So we want to have that same kind of heart. It's not about me getting the glory. It's not about me getting the attention. It's not about me being visible and out in front. Although I'm saying that as though that comes natural to me. Of course it doesn't. Being invisible and allowing your life to be a supporting role, it's very tough on the pride, on the flesh. Now, I'm talking mostly to women here in this podcast And just as walking in Christ is the opposite of what our fleshly nature wants to do, so living God's design for womanhood opposes our flesh. Listen to the characteristics of the born-again person. Our flesh is crucified. It's killed off. We are slaves of God. We are slaves to righteousness, enslaved to God. That's all scripture. 
Our life is not our own. We were bought with a price. For the person that is not familiar with the gospel, has not come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through the saving message of the gospel and is now filled with his Holy Spirit, this sounds absurd. It sounds absurd. But to the spiritual people, meaning those born of Christ, we understand these things by the Spirit as our minds are being renewed. The flesh of woman just started with Eve in the garden, right? The flesh of woman, we kind of want a role. <laughs> we don't always want the supporting role. We don't want the submissive role. We kind of have it in us to just take charge and rule, right? And this idea of invisibility, therefore, kind of goes directly against a woman's nature, oftentimes. Not always. I think of some people like my mom. She's just very humble and happy to just support everyone else. Um, And, you know, she's beautiful anyway, but that even makes her more beautiful to everyone who knows her. But a lot of us, as women, we long for attention or at least some notice. I mean, isn't that God-given after all? Well, what God wants is for us not to draw attention to ourselves through our sexuality or our outer adornment. We know this because we see it in 1 Peter 3. Do not let your adorning be external, such as the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So, We want to look at what the world says beauty is and the world says is precious or what God says. And clearly his word attests to the fact that he really doesn't approve of us flaunting worldly treasures either and getting attention that way. First Timothy 2 says, likewise also women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair in gold or pearls or costly attire. So in both of these scriptures, it talks about braided hair, which to us is what? Nothing. Doesn't mean a whole lot, but clearly back then that was a way of kind of getting attention, showing off your beauty. So we can liken that to something in our culture as well, right? That's not too hard to do. It can certainly be intimidating to look at a food label and see all of these crazy words and terms. Sometimes you hear that you really should never eat preservatives or anything with additives or chemicals in the ingredient list. And really, all you want to do is feed your family with safe, healthy, and nourishing foods. So I've created a little infographic for you that's available only in the February 2022 newsletter. It's going to break down all the different names of the preservatives and additives and what they're doing, whether or not they're safe, how to recognize them on a food label. So go to truefoodfreedomandfaith.com and sign up for the newsletter where you can get this and any future free resource going forward. Link in the show notes. All right, so these hidden issues, these hidden shackles that can keep us bound to some of these issues we deal with, number one, misunderstanding the purpose of life, two, a deep fear of invisibility, and that leads us to three, not knowing the loving kindness of true modesty, not knowing the loving kindness of true modesty. Sometimes the issue at heart is that we want to keep up with the, quote, perfect image that those in the world portray. And unfortunately, in our culture, these images of women are often immodest, to say the least. 
They're often alluring, over-revealing, and certainly sexually charged, right? Let me know if you agree with this statement or not, but a natural woman doesn't look like a porn star. But the culture's trending more and more toward that as a very warped standard of beauty. Many women, even Christian women, can attempt to keep up with that idea of beauty so they don't get left behind, even if it's done, of course, unintentionally or even very, very subtly. In other words, please see that the bar for beauty in this culture has been set at a very debased level. And it's hard to snap out of it and see it clearly sometimes since it's all around us. It's all we're told. We're just bathing in it. We can come to think that that's normal. And so many can just easily fall victim to this trap of keeping up with that. But should we, as Christian women, be using secular standards of beauty as that model? Should we be desiring to compete with that? So again, we can see in 1 Timothy 2, The scripture says, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with, there it is again, braided hair, golden pearls, costly garments, but rather by means of what? By means of good works as is proper for a woman making a claim to godliness. So there is a proper way of being and dressing and appearing and behaving for women who claim to be Christian. And in Titus, we read that older women train even the younger women to love their husbands and their children to be sensible, pure, that was the word I'm trying to hit here, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So that purity is something that is required by women in the church. What does God think of the woman who's trying to allure who's trying to get some attention through enticing, even if that's not really what they're thinking they're setting out to do. But if you don't want to be lost in the crowd and you don't want to be invisible and you want to kind of keep up with the beautiful people because you're hoping for some of that acknowledgement as well, mm, is that a form of enticing? Is that a form of maybe alluring? Keeping in mind what this culture's idea of beauty is, being very immodest and being very sexually charged. Well, the Bible says that like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Ouch, wow. Um, The Bible does not mince words on this. This is like hard, fast cutting stuff. There is no question that God does not want women of the church behaving or dressing or showing themselves in a way without discretion, without modesty. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who puts God's word above their own attention getting, above keeping up with the other people, the other beautiful people, that is a woman that is to be praised. And those are God's words. All right, I know this is kind of hard and real deep stuff, but I'm going even deeper right now. We're going to Matthew 5 because God's looking at our heart. So the Bible says, You've heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, so I'm pause there for a minute. Think about the way that we dress in the culture, even in the church, could that be causing 
a man who's trying to keep his eyes pure, who's trying to have pure thoughts, is that perhaps tempting him to commit adultery in his heart by the way that we are dressed? The scripture goes on. It gets even more intense. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Okay. Um, I think this is very serious stuff that we've happened upon, don't you? Do you want to be in any way a piece of the temptation puzzle that causes a man to go through that, to stand before God in that way. You know, God's very serious about those who cause others to stumble. He said to his disciples, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. We can substitute the word her in there. Woe. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea, then that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. So this is very, very serious stuff. We can look at the style and fashion of the culture and try to keep up with it, but what are we doing when that style and fashion of the culture is very enticing, very alluring, very sexually charged? Are we being a stumbling block to our brothers in Christ in the church who are trying to keep their eyes pure, who are trying to not have any impure thoughts about anyone. And many men are struggling with this because they're living in this culture, and that can seep very subtly into the church. Let it not happen through us. The law, the whole law is summed up in two things, loving God and loving your neighbor. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, Galatians 5.14. Do I love myself by causing temptation? If we're trying to keep up with fashion and be in style, we have to make sure we're not in any way putting away the hard line of holiness, that strong standard of holiness that is to define us. And we don't want to put that away to any degree in order to keep up with fashion. The Bible says, In 1 John 2, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. But the world's passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Which camp do you want to be in? Okay, so when we're looking at the standards of beauty, the standards of fashion, the things that will cause us to be noticed and get the attention out there, we have to be very careful, especially in the culture we're in right now, because it is very worldly and can lead to many spiritual problems, many heart problems. So you might think that this last point has nothing at all to do with disordered eating or weight cycling, or body image issues, but I really don't think it's a coincidence that as the world becomes less and less modest and more revealing of body shapes with clothing that fits much more closely, think how fitted most clothing is now. Even if it's not low-cut or navel-revealing, 
um, or super, super short shorts. I mean, just regular shirts you try to get in pants. They're all very, very fitted. So there's more pressure to be thin simply because the clothing and the fashions require it more, right? If you're trying to keep up with the beautiful people, you're going to be trying to wear what they wear and look like they look. And that often in this style requires, oh, I need to lose weight. I have that muffin top. I have the spare tire. Uh, you know, you're seeing every nook and cranny. <laughs> you know what I mean, ladies. So it can definitely cause a temptation to go on these crash diets and to think poorly about your body the way that it is because it's harder to fit into these very revealing type clothes that you can't hide a lot in. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go wear trash bag type clothes. That's not the idea either. It's just that it's, of course, harder to find clothes that aren't skin tight right now that leave something to the imagination, which, of course, can lead the vulnerable person to disordered eating, to get to the body type that would fit comfortably in the types of clothing that we're seeing now. But you get the point, right? Okay, so to review, these are just the three or three of those more hidden, really deeply hidden, subtle problems that I think are keeping women very, very shackled to this mindset, to this disordered eating pattern, um, to this lack of appreciation for their bodies. And those are, one, misunderstanding the purpose of life, two, a deep fear of being invisible, and three, not knowing the loving kindness of true modesty. Hey sisters, I have some good news. I wanna get to know you better. I want us to support one another in this process, this journey to food freedom. It can be tough if we're doing it alone, so let's not. Why don't you join me in our private online community? I'll put the link in the show notes, or you can just go to Facebook and search for True Food Freedom and Faith. The and is an ampersand. I really look forward to us getting to know one another, so I will see you there. Now, if you're finding that these areas, one, two, all three, are having a strong grip on you, then I would like to ask you to just meditate on these upcoming truths daily. Because it is these gospel truths that work in our hearts to do the changing in us. And this rescue from our deceiving hearts and the worldly desires is actually just what we're truly longing for, even if we're not quite aware of that. So here's what you need to know. Number one, you need to understand your value truly as God sees it. You're made in the image of God. Your value comes because God made you in his image then you are saved by God who gave up his son. You are adopted as God's child, as God's daughter. And you are to be the bride of the most precious son of God. What more value could we possibly have than that? But I think our mind is not on that very often. It's on how the world values things and what the world gives attention to And when we're trying to get our little piece of that pie, we're forgetting God is near. God's eyes are on us. His love is for us, and he's the one that's proven it. Above all, we, you, I, we are an image of the pure bride for the whole world to see. We are the hands and the feet of Christ to our loved ones. 
to our church body, both the other women and the younger girls whom we're setting examples for and for the men in the body whom we don't want to cause to sin, even in their thinking, even in temptation to any degree. Women are actually natural ministers to others for comfort, for supply, for support, for practical help, for love, and for service. So even if that role is not filled with fanfare, even if nobody notices, it is in fact a very fulfilling role that we have. I want to leave you with the picture of a beautiful, beautiful woman inside and out. Now, nothing's mentioned of our physical body's attractiveness, yet notice that we can all very clearly understand that she was an awe-inspiring woman. And it was because of her heart towards God and others, as well as her hardworking, loving, God-honoring behavior. I know this is not cool in today's culture, but if you're a Christian, there will be something really attractive in this that you want to acquire for yourself. This is the woman who fears the Lord. It's the Proverbs 31 woman. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with what? With strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. And catch this, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gate. Now, if you find that you have related to any or all of the three root issues that I pulled out, and you found that they have maybe led you into this trap that ends in disordered eating, crash dieting, weight cycling, body image issues, and that desperate need to be acceptable to the culture, well, you need some help. You need help from the Holy Spirit as you feed on God's Word. You may also need help from someone who knows how to walk you through this journey of letting go of these enslaving food rules, the body image preoccupation, the chronic dieting. You might need someone to bring you true nutrition help along with helping you learn how to apply scriptures to your specific problems. If that's you, 
I'd like to invite you to schedule a free consultation with me. This is just a conversation where you can freely discuss your concerns and your goals, and we can decide together what your best path forward should be. Simply go to truefoodfreedomandfaith.com and click on the free consultation tab. I look forward to working with you and walking with you on your journey to food freedom and gospel truth. And until next time, remember 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Amen. I'll see you soon.